We're going to be reading Acts 18 this morning. And I just want to say, before I start, there's a few place names and people names I didn't quite get to perfect. So we're just going to say things with confidence and see what happens. (laughs) After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now, from now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in the city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. But when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal. And they all seized Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Gallio paid no attention to any of this. After this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila. At Syncrea he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow, and they came to to Ephesus, and he left them there. But he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills, and he set sail from Ephesus. When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church, and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next, through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and complained to him the way of God and explained to him the way of God more accurately. (laughs) And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus.
All right, so we're, we're back in Acts. We took a four-week break to talk about how the gospel uh, impacts and shapes our relationship, but we're, we're jumping back in with Acts 18. So let's, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll work through this passage together this morning. Jesus, we thank you that because of who you are and what you've done, we can, we can gather together, that we can, can celebrate together, we can worship together, we can encourage one another, build each other up, we can gather in homes throughout the week, we can have uh, true, genuine, authentic relationships with one another and, and a growing relationship with you because of the kind of Savior you are. We pray that today as we, as we look at your word together, that you would send your spirit to, to help us to understand it better together. That um, these wouldn't just be words on a page or a story that was written down a long time ago, but that, that they would be for our encouragement, for, for our, our building up in the things of our faith. That, that we would see uh, reminders of, of who you call us to be and reminders of, of who you are and what you've done for us. We pray that you would... Uh, help us to do that together this morning, and that, that we would use our time well uh, after service, fellowshipping together, um, pointing one another closer to you in, in the relationships we have with each other. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. When uh, we last left Paul in Acts, he was, he was in Athens, he was preaching the gospel there, and he was teaching about the resurrection. Um, and this week, we, we pick up with him kind of headed to Corinth. And, and I got to tell you, when I, I first read this passage, like I, I like Priscilla and Aquila a lot. Their story is, is really cool. But when I first read this passage, it, it kind of felt like anticlimactic for me. I was, we, we, we did the series. I was excited to get back to Acts because uh, honestly, it's just a lot easier teaching one passage than saying like, hey, this is what the Bible says about this controversial topic. Uh, just going through a passage is... That has never happened before. Um, yeah, apparently Siri disagrees with my view of preaching. Um, but yeah, so we come back to Acts, and I, and I, and I, and I was hoping just for, for a little more excitement. Uh, you know, like, but the more, the more I read the passage, the more I worked through it, uh, the more excited I became because of what, what this passage represents. You know, I think that when we read the book of Acts especially, like it's the... It's the Acts of the Apostles, right? It's these amazing stories of these amazing guys who did amazing things for God. But in this passage, like the, the, the main characters in the story, like Paul is, Paul is doing his thing, but we also get introduced to Priscilla and Aquila, this, this normal couple that God uses doing ordinary things to, to further his mission. As, as Paul uh, stays with them, as they invite him in, and then later they, they take Apollos aside and disciple him together. We get to see these normal people like me and you uh, further the mission of God in the book of Acts. And so uh, I think that, that that is the thing that we should take away from this passage today. As we, as we work through it, we should see that the mission is going to continue to multiply and move forward, even in the face of opposition. And in this text, it does it primarily through the ordinary acts of ordinary people, as this husband and wife just have people into their home and talk to them about the things of God. So the first thing we see 
is that at Corinth, Paul meets this Jewish couple, Priscilla and Aquila. It says they had recently moved uh, from Italy because of an edict that Emperor Claudius had issued. So there's this, this Roman historian whose name is Suetonius. Uh, he said that Claudius kicked the Jews out of Rome because of this dispute, these disturbances that came about as a result of Crestus. Uh, and most biblical scholars argue that Suetonius misspelled Christus, meaning Jesus. And so he's saying, they're, they're saying that well, what this guy is talking about is that there were these disturbances in Rome because of these debates that were happening between Jews and Jewish Christians about Jesus. And so he just says, all of you get out of the city. You're causing too many disturbances. And so Priscilla and Aquila are in that group. They, were, they leave Rome. They end up at Corinth. And it's interesting for us to see here that Luke doesn't tell us anything about their conversion, right? What normally happens when like a significant member or a significant person in the story gets converted, Luke will tell us about their conversion story like he does with, with Lydia and so many others throughout the book of Acts. But Priscilla and Aquila, they just enter the story. And I think that the reason why that is, is because they're already believers when they come to Corinth. They're already believers when they start interacting with Paul. He doesn't preach the gospel to them because they're already Christians like him. And I think that that's a good thing for us to pick up on because it reminds us that there's a story happening outside the book of Acts, right? It's, it's not only what we're reading about that, that's causing the gospel to spread and grow in the world. Right, that's not all the mission of God that's happening, right? Paul, right now, is the main focus of the book of Acts, but other Christians are out there in the world sharing the gospel, and one of them shared the gospel with Priscilla and Aquila. And that's a good thing for us to see because it reminds us that, right, BC, us, we're not the only ones in our city sharing the gospel. Right? I, know, I know we know that, right? You guys are like, well, duh, of course we're not. But I think sometimes we, we act that way. Sometimes we forget that there are other believers in this city, in our neighborhoods, in the places we work, in the places we go, that are, that are, that are pushing towards the same goal as we are. They're, they're trying to live on mission. They're trying to share the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done. And, and Priscilla and Aquila are a reminder of that in this passage. So Paul meets them. Uh, they, they find out that they're all tent makers together. They, they do the same thing. And so Priscilla and Aquila invite Paul to stay with them. They, they show him hospitality. They invite them into their home. They invite them into their business. They invite him into their lives. And that gives Paul a place, kind of a home base in Corinth from which, which to do ministry. And it says every Sabbath, Paul is in the synagogue trying to persuade both Jews and Greeks that Jesus is the Messiah. So their ordinary hospitality provides a platform for Paul to preach the gospel in Corinth. And it's because of that, because of them, right, that when we have two major books in the New Testament, because Paul stays in this city, he invests, he plants a church, and the gospel spreads. Luke tells us that, that Silas and Timothy, they, they finally catch up. So Paul left them in Berea a couple chapters ago. He's been to Athens preaching the gospel. He's been in Corinth preaching the gospel. They show up and look at what they find Paul doing. He's occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. So even though Paul and Silas and Timothy, they split up, uh, just like when Paul and Barnabas split up, 
the, the mission still moves forward. Paul preached the gospel in Athens, like we saw in Acts 17, and he's been preaching the gospel in Corinth without them. And, and what do you think, even though it doesn't tell us, what do you think Silas and Timothy were doing without Paul? Right? They were preaching the gospel, even though there were some inconveniences, even though there were some interruptions, even though their plans changed, the mission keeps going forward, even in the face of opposition. They don't allow it to stop the spread of the gospel. Paul, as we might expect as we've moved through Acts, he's opposed in Corinth by the Jews. He's opposed and reviled by the Jews in Corinth. Look at how he responds in verse 6. He shakes out his garments and he says, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Paul desperately, we see from Romans, he desperately wants his own people to believe the gospel, but he doesn't allow that to stop him from sharing the gospel with those that want to hear it. So he, he leaves the Jews and goes to minister to the Gentiles in Corinth. And Luke says that he goes to the house of a man named, named Titus Justice next door to the synagogue. And there Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believes the gospel along with his family. Luke says that all, that many who were there, they heard and believed they were baptized. The next thing that happens is Paul has a, a vision of Jesus speaking to him. Jesus tells him not to be afraid, but to keep preaching the gospel. Why should he do that? Because Jesus will be with him, will protect him. So he doesn't need to fear. Why is Jesus going to be with him? Why is he giving him this specific encouragement? Because there are many in this city who are Jesus' people. So the first thing we see in this vision that, that, that Paul has of Jesus is, is that Jesus promises to be with him. This is a, a specific kind of reassurance of an earlier promise, right? Jesus had already promised to be with his people. He, he does that in the Great Commission. He says, I promise to be with you always, even to the end of the age. Paul wasn't there, but Paul knew the guys that were. Right? He, he would have heard Jesus' message in the Great Commission. So he knew that Jesus had promised to be with him. But here, Jesus in a vision reassures Paul that he's with him specifically. It's not just a generic Jesus is with him. Jesus is with him in Corinth, specifically, personally, with Paul as he's on mission. And he reassures him that he needs to stay there. He needs to stay on mission because there are people in Corinth that belong to Jesus. They just don't know it yet. And Jesus gives Paul this vision to, to encourage him, right? To press on, to, to stay at it. And these words were written down so that we might be encouraged by them too. Right? We know that Jesus has promised to be with us. But I think that too often we, 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 we hear that as just kind of a generic, general promise. Right? Like he's, he's with us, sure. But the reality is, is that Jesus is with us in a personal way. Right? He's put his spirit in us, in me, in you. He's with me. He's with you. He's with us when we wake up. He's with us when we eat breakfast. He's with us when we work out. He's with us when we stand in front of the fridge trying to find a snack. He is with us in the, the big, huge things we do throughout the day. And he's with us in the most mundane things we do. Jesus is with you. Not, not generically, not generally, but specifically, intimately, personally, he has promised to be with you. And just like in Corinth, there are people in this city, in our city, that are his. 
that, that belong to him, that he is calling out and they just don't know it yet. There are people where we work, where we go to school, where we shop, where we go in our community that the Holy Spirit is working in to draw them closer to Jesus. And that's why he's put us here. That's why he's with us. So that he can draw them closer to himself. Paul's vision was encouraging to Paul, and it should be encouraging to us because Jesus promised to be with us as well. And we can confidently say that there are people here that are his. So Paul sees this vision, and Luke says he responds to it by staying in Corinth for another year and a half. The mission, being on mission, it's not always about going. Right here, it's about staying, staying there for another year and a half to do the work of God among them. But, but opposition comes in response to this. Uh, Paul says, that, or Luke says that when, when Gallio was pro-council of, of Achaia, uh, the Jews make a united attack on Paul and they bring him before this tribunal. And before we talk about the tribunal, there's something else we need to talk about. Just a little bit ago, right, Paul has this vision. And in this vision, Jesus says to Paul, no one will attack you to harm you. And then two verses later, Luke says, the Jews made a united attack on Paul. So like, what's, what's going on, right? No one's going to attack you. Just a little bit later, these people attack you. So I think there's, there's, there's two things we can say about this. Number one, this doesn't seem like a violent mob that's attacking Paul to, to hurt him physically like we've seen elsewhere in the book of Acts. Uh, instead, what, what's happening is there are, there are legal charges being made against Paul. He's, he's being brought before a trial, before a court, like formal charges are filed against him. So it's more of a, a verbal attack. Still unpleasant, but, but not the same as a mob. The second thing I think that we need to recognize about this is that uh, Jesus' promise in this vision to protect Paul from harm seems to be kind of limited in scope by the rest of what he says. I think that what Jesus is essentially saying to Paul is that he'll be protected in Corinth because there are people in the city that need to hear the gospel. So it's, it's kind of a, a, a temporary thing. And the reason why I think that is because of, of two things we see in the book of Acts. The first thing that we saw in the book of Acts was when at Paul's conversion, right? When he's blinded on the road to Damascus, Jesus gets this guy Ananias, the, the good Ananias, not the bad Ananias, and he sends good Ananias to Paul and says, I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for me. So at Paul's conversion, there's already an assumption that Paul is going to suffer through Jesus or for Jesus as he's on mission as one of his followers. Also, another passage in Acts, we haven't got there yet, a couple chapters from now, Acts 20, 23, Paul says that the Holy Spirit testifies to him in every city that imprisonment and affliction await him. So is Corinth a city? Yes. So it's a city in which the Holy Spirit has testified to Paul that ahead of him on his journey, on mission, following Jesus, affliction and imprisonment await him. And so I think that in Acts 18, we see Jesus saying to Paul, hey, while you're here in this city, in this season, in this moment, in this year and a half, there are people in this city who are mine, who need to hear the gospel. And so because of that, I'm going to protect you. After that, he knows that affliction is coming. And so the Jews 
At the tribunal, they, they drag him in front of this, this court, and they say, this man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. Which is probably somewhat true, right? Because Paul was preaching about Jesus. They didn't need to offer sacrifices anymore. They should worship Jesus. So he was saying some things contrary to the law. But Paul, when he's about to defend himself, Gallio speaks, and he says this, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And then he drives them out. Um, And I think that we can all learn something from Gallio here. He's he's not a a believer that we know of. But, but he shows a great deal of wisdom. He recognizes that this controversy is something that's, that's outside of his domain. It's something that he's not responsible for. It's for something that's not in his sphere of influence. And so it's something that, that he doesn't need to pay attention to. And so he just kind of waves them off. For us, because of the internet, because of social media, there are so many things all the time that are way outside our domain, that are way outside our responsibility, that are way outside our spheres of influence, that we give our time and energy and thoughts and emotions to that we have zero responsibility for. We would do well to be like Gallio and say, it's not, it's not my job. It's not my role. I'm not responsible for this. Like, take it somewhere else and just ignore it. He shows wisdom in that. But what happens next is something that he should have done something about. Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, right? Because Crispus became a believer. Now Sosthenes gets the new job and he gets seized and beaten in front of the tribunal. But Gallio ignores that. He told the Jews, hey, if it was a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, then I would engage. But here is wrongdoing, vicious crime, and he doesn't engage. This is his responsibility, but he fails to take action. So sometimes inaction is good. Sometimes inaction is bad. Um, Sometime later, after this, have this tribunal. Sometime later, Luke says, many days, Paul leaves for Syria. And he takes Priscilla and Aquila with him. They they go with him. Luke tells us that at Sincrea, Paul cuts his hair. He cuts his hair probably because he was under some sort of vow um, that that, that would have made, he he couldn't have cut his hair, but but his vow ends. And so then he cuts his hair. And I think that the the only reason why we should pay attention to this and, and maybe the reason why Luke included this kind of weird detail in the story. Yeah, Paul gets a haircut here. Uh, I think is because they charged him in, in Corinth that he, you know, didn't do anything according to the law. And here with him making a vow, then not cutting his hair, then cutting his hair, showing that Paul did do some things in keeping with the law still. So he gets his haircut, then he moves on to Ephesus, and he leaves Priscilla and Aquila in Ephesus uh, before he reasons with the Jews in the synagogue. They ask him to stay, but Paul doesn't stay. Sometimes the mission means you stay, sometimes the mission means you go, and here it means he goes. But he says, if God wills, he's going to come back. Spoiler alert, Paul is going to come back. God does will, he will come back to Ephesus. 
But here he's on his way back to Antioch. And so he gets to Caesarea, he greets the church there, he encourages them, then he heads to Antioch, kind of his home base, his sending church. He spends some time there, probably a decent amount of time resting and recharging before he goes out again. He goes through Galatia, Phrygia to to build up the disciples there. But in the last section of our passage, we get this this new guy, a new, new character enters the book of Acts named Apollos. He's a native of Alexandria, and he's in Ephesus, where where Paul was and Priscilla and Aquila still are. And Luke says that he's eloquent, he's competent in the scriptures, Uh, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord, he was fervent in spirit, and he spoke and taught accurately concerning Jesus, but... He only knew the baptism of John the Baptist. So he, he didn't know that, you know, anything about the Great Commission. He didn't know Jesus had taught about baptism. So he's got, got a lot of passion. He, he, can, he can communicate well, but he has some gaps in his knowledge. And so uh, he, he, he doesn't know how to teach everything accurately, but what he does teach, he does teach that accurately. And so what happens next is that Priscilla and Aquila, who are now in Ephesus, they hear this this new guy, Apollos, who's, who's preaching well, but, but maybe missing some things. They hear him teaching, and they take him aside. They in, invite him in. They explain to him the way of God more accurately. Both of them, husband and wife, seem to disciple Apollos together. They, they help him become more accurate in his understanding of and preaching of the gospel. And then the church sends Apollos out. So they, they see a leader that has potential. They, they build him up. They train him. They disciple him. And then they send him out. And the result, Luke says, is that he, he greatly helps those who believe. He refutes the Jews powerfully, showing that Jesus is the Christ. So a new leader is is raised up in the church and the mission multiplies as Apollos goes out somewhere else to share and spread the gospel. Throughout the book of Acts, and especially in this passage, we see that even in the face of opposition, even in the face of resistance, even in the face of of interruptions and, and, and plans changing, the gospel continues to go forward. The mission continues to move and multiply. And in today's passage, we see that that happens primarily through the the, the spirit-driven hospitality of Priscilla and Aquila. As they meet this guy named Paul, who's preaching the gospel, and they invite him into their lives. They invite him into their livelihoods as they say, hey, you make tents too, come make tents with us. They give him space, they give him time, they give him a place from which to minister to in Corinth. And then we see them doing the same thing in Ephesus, in a new place as they bring Apollos in. They help train him up, and then they help send him out so he can go do that somewhere else. Right? It's their ordinary actions that cause the mission to move forward and multiply in Acts 18. For us, we should see this and say that we want to be a church. We want to be people like Priscilla and Aquila. Right? They're, not, they're not the heroes of the story. What Jesus has done in them is, is showing that he is the hero of the story. But they are still examples that we can follow. Right? They're still modeling for us what gospel-centered hospitality looks like. And so we want to be a church who uh, invite people in, who welcome others into our lives, who, who welcome them as Christ has welcomed us so that we can build them up, so that we can encourage them, so that we can train them 
and send them out on mission so that there are more people in our city who believe the gospel so that there will be more people in our city who believe the gospel. We want to see the mission multiply here and around the world just like we see it happening in the book of Acts. So this week, let's go out and look for ways we can tangibly do what we see Priscilla and Aquila doing in this passage. So there might be more Pauls and Apollos' running around in our city. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you sent your spirit to inspire Luke, to to write down what happened with Paul and what happened with Apollos and what happened with Priscilla and Aquila so that, that we might be encouraged by it so many years later. We pray that you would use your spirit to, to not let us forget how graciously you have welcomed us in. And that you would help us by your spirit to faithfully invite others into our lives. That our homes and our, and our tables would be places where, where the gospel is preached where compassion is shown, where where needs are met, where people are encouraged and built up, where we all walk away learning how to communicate the word of God more accurately. We pray that, that what we do together here would result in, in believers elsewhere being encouraged, non-Christians elsewhere believing the gospel, that, that your word and your mission wouldn't just go forth in Hannibal, but would go forth around the state and around the country and around the world. Jesus, we thank you that you have invited us in. It's in your name we pray. Amen.